0: Nice, nice, nice,
1: nice. Love it. Perfect. Well, now you're on the podcast.
0: Success!
2: Let's and go. I'm so excited.
1: Let's go! Let's go! Woohoo! I'm so excited because I think in the time I've known you, met you at Trinity, um it's been a real joy to kind of witness you grow with God, but also just the opportunities I've heard you share your wisdom and your passions for what God puts on your heart um I just definitely see that you um continually chase after um what God wants for this world and for his children and it's been a joy to be your friend through that and also just um pray for you through that um I think it's very um noticeable that you want to learn more that you want to know more that um one thing I definitely notice about you is that you never become complacent um within your faith. You always want to know more. And you're very humble about it. Um, which is so refreshing but also frustrating at times when I'm like, no, no, you're amazing. Let me tell you you're amazing. Um, and so many people say it. Um so I just thought it would be incredible to get you on the podcast to kind of um see what what God's doing in your heart right now. And the question that I posed to you um was if you met God face to face, um, if you could ask him why or where are you in this situation, what would that situation be? Um, So what what was that for you?
2: Um, At the minute, it's, I think it stems from like doing youth at church and seeing like the potential Mm. that all of these kids have to do something Mm. great. It's definitely Mm. seeing like, children who aren't in that position who are like in underprivileged situations where like it's almost yeah. uh in like uh they're kind of behind like they start life like kind of behind everyone else and they just don't get the same opportunities and like knowing yeah. that if they were in a different situation like they they'd there'd just be so much potential there i think that at the minute is yeah yeah just where my heart's at like a bit heartbreaking, very
1: sad to see, but yeah, yeah, I think it's so heartbreaking to kind of it, it's bittersweet, isn't it when we witness so much power and authority in the youth group that, that in our church, but actually all that, not all that does, but what that does in a really real way is reveal the people that don't have that um and people that don't have those opportunities, I think it's an equal um pain of mine. we spoke in the last podcast with Eloise that like there's less accessible chances for kids in education or women in like leadership or women it like it aggravates me or um causes me to get really passionate when people don't get opportunities that other people have even if it's just through inaccessibility not just because of like discrimination or anything when it's just kind of it seems like a really thin border of inaccessibility but that can be a massive barrier to people progressing into kind of the opportunities in life that everyone deserves
2: yeah no like yeah it's a it's a difficult one because it's it's one that's like a massive issue but in a sense it's Mm. almost hard to like navigate how to Help every single person because while every single person has like a different situation, like how to work with them and like help get them out of mm. whatever troubles they're in is very difficult to navigate. And like, when I was doing a lot of research into this for like numbers wise, how it looks just in the UK, mm. that's, obviously that's where I am, so that's what it helps to narrow down on. Like, it's just heartbreaking. Like, there was a... I'm just going to read some stats that I saw. Um, yeah. The Joseph yeah. Roundtree Foundation, they're a, a charity that conduct research into poverty in the UK. And in 2021, they said that 27% of children in the UK were in some form of poverty. And, like, it's wow. ridiculously high numbers, especially in...
0: That's my Like, you know, the
2: UK's... Yeah, I know. And like the UK is a big economic, economic, economically wise, it's a big yeah. country. And yet still faces these issues. <laughs> and like, if if with the money here, even here, like it's hard to deal with these issues. Like all over the mm. place. How exactly do we help people stuck in these situations? Mm. If you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I think the main question why I, I, the main reason why I asked you this question is I think there's so many things that sometimes we can kind of go like, but but I can't do anything to help. Like, how practically can I get involved in this? Um, and when our heart yearns for God to get involved, I think that's an acknowledgement that it seems far beyond us. That it seems like it's impossible to help or get involved. Um, But I think talking about it and kind of rifling a group around you of people who are equally passionate about it or equally um, concerned for this issue, what it does is it creates conversations where um, we can then intercede in prayer um and intercede into the situations that we really don't think are moving or that we think it's impossible for God to have a not impossible for God to have a hold of for us to get involved in without God um but frustrating when we don't see God moving in it um directly um and I think like how how do we like what have you thought at all about you know what does that look like? Did you kind of go through um were
2: you in a privileged school or a poverty school when when you were younger? I was, that actual school, I'd say was quite a privilege. Well, not like high-end privilege, but a good mm-hmm. school. But yeah. It was yeah. in like a mixed area where like you definitely saw high-end, but also a lot of low-end yeah. as well. And I think mm-hmm. that helped in like getting me friends with all different sorts of people who like, Got many different friends from like lots of different backgrounds, and like you, you talk to mm-hmm. people, and they're just like you, and like if they get like lives could be so drastically different just based on the sort of environment you grow up in. Mm. Yeah, yeah,
1: massively. When I was in um, sixth form, there was a um, a charity called Villiers Park that basically gave scholarships or education advances to people who were just disadvantaged because of their postcode. And they were an amazing charity that I didn't even know existed. But what they did is they went into schools and looked at people's grades or saw that kids with actually high intelligence, without Villiers Park, I wouldn't have gotten to uni just because of my postcode. Like what they saw is they saw a disadvantage of postcode areas being basically limited in the opportunities they get just because of a number on a page because of their address, so they opened so many doors, and they're an amazing charity, and I know that there's so many other um things out there, but what they did is they basically gave you an acknowledgement to your education and an advancement into scholarships into universities um And that was life-changing for me. I remember being in my interview, kind of saying, like, because you had to kind of interview to get through the process to say, you know, do you want this? Um, And I remember, like, breaking down and crying, and I never knew that it was something that I felt hard done by. But I think when they told me, like, this isn't normal, that you're not going to get into uni because of your postcode, I think I kind of just... My heart was broken... Because I didn't realise that that was something I could be discriminated against. And I was very naive to the fact yeah. that that would limit my opportunities. But almost in that moment, it lit a fire for me to be almost pent up about this issue that I was lucky enough to kind of swerve. But how many people didn't even get that opportunity? Or, you know, there are amazing charities like Villiers Park. but they can't reach everyone and they can't give that to everyone. And it's how, how do we reach this on a larger scale? Um, And I think, you know, that's within education. Like, how do we kind of make church more accessible to kids our age or youth groups? You know, youth centres, religious or not, used to be placed everywhere. Like, you, I used to walk through town after to school and there used to be, like, youth centres everywhere where people would come into schools and run youth centres, religious or not. But now, like, I'd speak to the kids in school or I'd speak to my friends and I'd say, oh, did you ever go to youth group when you were younger? And they're like, what's that? Is that something you do at church? Mm. You know, like, youth community is accessible, more accessible in church and not to non-Christians because it's not something that seems necessarily of importance in the world but then what do we do when that isn't even accessible to people who don't even know what church is
2: yeah what you said about community and like finding that space i think that really hit as well because one of the things while i was reading up on this it's like the reason going kind of like relations and stuff like that is so high these days is because people want community and like, it's heartbreaking, but mm. that's a place, especially young people, where they're able to find that. And then gangs can prey on that because like children are young, so they, they don't know any better and mm. then they can find a place of community, yeah. they just go for that. And then suddenly that becomes their whole future. And I, like, yeah, I'm going to read this quote because It is, it was a very powerful Yeah, please. And they said, um, but perhaps the biggest cause of young people engaging in these activities is because there are no safe places for young people to go after school. Young people living in difficult home situations can only seek solace in the brotherhood of gangs. That was from a social worker that is trying to work with different families in different positions. Wow. That's so
1: heartbreaking. That's honestly, and I think like in different era codes, you see it more like London or like, you know, there's certain places that you could kind of pick a city and go, oh yeah, there's definitely gangs there. But like people searching for community, that's like a human heart cry to have community and to not be alone. And then as Christians, we know God didn't create us to be alone. Like We're all built to be within community. It's something within our nature to want to be around people. But of the young age, like you said, when we don't know the difference between community and safe community or friendship and alliance, how do we, you know, it, it it's such a job role to kind of, you know, as you are involved in the youth, to kind of educate young people on how to do community and things like that safely. And I think that's also paired into letting them know what they're worth or what their value is.
2: Hundred percent. Um, yeah. I think, as you said, like God made us for community and I think at like the very root of it, it all comes from like just a lack of God in that area in the sense of knowledge of God. I know God's working mm. everywhere. But, yeah. Like, a lot of mm. the times. Like these are places where just no one speaks Jesus into them. And so, mm-hmm. like, that love is something that's just so transformative. When you remove that, it just leads to all sorts of a spiral downwards. And I think that's what we see in not just this, but like different aspects of society, but like specifically for young people as well.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Have you got like a piece of advice or kind of your yeah, like a message to your younger self? Um would I say message to your younger self or message to these kids that live in this? What would be kind of if you could kind of broadcast on a... I love at work when I get, like, a massive megaphone and I get to shout across the playground. (laughs) If you had one of those that broadcasted over the earth and said something to all youth, I know that's a massive responsibility, but what would be the thing that you would kind of want them to
0: to hear?
2: I mean, besides the gospel, because I feel like that's that's, that's a safe answer to go for. I'd say... uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah, obviously. (laughs)
2: uh, I'd say, like, there is hope. Like, there is... Mm -hmm. There is hope outside of what you're in. Mm.
1: Yeah. And I think that's such a reality that... I think I was... I don't know about you, but like I was brought up in a Christian hope. So hope was always something that was kind of part of our vocabulary. And then growing up and going yep. to school, a lot of people go, oh, I'm so glad you've got something to hope in, as if it was empty. And I think sometimes when we say to people or we like pray, God, I pray for hope for these people. When people don't know what hope is, they kind of think it's just wishful thinking or hope in terms of like, the light at the end of the tunnel that may or may not come like that's not hope hope is a secure um like it what there's a quote of what what hope is have you ever read it before I'm gonna try and find it but I think like hope is such it like it feels inaccessible yeah let me try and
0: find
2: Yeah, to be fair, if, if like your environment is all you know, then like, almost why would you have hope in anything else? It almost feels like a mm. false hope, which I think is really sad to see.
1: Yeah. yeah, this is so interesting. So it says, what does it mean to have hope? It says, hope can be a desire for something to happen, a wish for things to change for the better, or a particular dream or aspiration. And then it says, how does the Bible define hope? Hope is commonly used to mean a wish. Its strength is the strength of a person's desire. But in the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised. Its strength is in his faithfulness. And that's so true. Like, at, at the, like there's a difference because I think in the world yeah. we can wish for something but if there's no substance to it and there's no truth to the promise that we are hoping for, it is just an empty wish. But if we are hoping for God to come, we're hoping in a God that has divine expectations for this world and that whole substance, which means our hope isn't empty.
2: Yeah. Yeah, 100 no, percent. Yeah. When when God is involved in that hope, like it's a cemented hope because, you know, that. He won't fail. Whereas when you take out God, with an environment that is always unpredictable, so no matter how much hope we have, there's no certainty with it. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think also like for young people or youth that kind of hear that message of hope, we live in a world that moves so quickly. I call it a bit of a microwave culture. If it's not done in two minutes, we don't want it. And I think because the world moves so quickly, the idea of hoping for something for five minutes, let alone five years, feels like a chore. And I I don't know how we kind of change change that how do we educate that hope is something that is active Um, and I think that comes with knowledge of God or deep hopes I think if we wish for things that we know we can't kind of see happening or things that we hope for that I don't know because I don't ever want to say like things that we don't ever see happening or things that aren't achievable because when we put that hope in God everything is achievable if it's in line with his word um yeah. you know so it's hard to kind of to pinpoint what how do we educate what true hope is I think there's a difference between false hope um and, and true hope
0: yeah and I think uh, working with how to communicate to people
2: is incredibly difficult, especially when
0: yeah. like,
2: it also has to come with working to help them find that hope, working to help them get out of these situations, which almost feels like an impossible task. I think when I was reading up on this, it felt like okay, well, it, it was what am I supposed to do in this situation? Mm. And I was just thinking about it more and like, it just starts with the one person you can try and help. Mm. One person, then the next person, but also sticking with that one person and helping grow them, which I think is going to be a personal challenge to me, finding out how I can help just that one person and sticking with that.
1: Mm. Yeah. And it, it comes from a place of, I think, people who lack hope or people who long for this community but look for it in the wrong places or underprivileged area codes or kind of this heart cry of this injustice because people feel underprivileged. I think there's a lot of correlation in between people in their home lives or families or school lives or the people around them, like their primary carers, don't adopt consistency in their life. It's where kids don't feel valued, don't feel loved, don't feel safe in their homes or their families. So they look elsewhere for community and it gets them in danger or they end up going into places that don't give them life. And I think when we're saying that we contribute to that one person, that's so true because what I do with the kids at work, working within behaviour, these kids come from broken homes and you know broken relationships but when you are there you know or like even the practicality of whenever you'd go into school and you'd see a supply teacher you're like yeah let's have a laugh but you know more about people when they are there day by day and you have that consistency when you know you can trust them because they've shown up for you time and time before when you know that they can you can respect them because they've been true to the words that they've said to you and consistency speaks of through the ups and downs, even though I might be disappointed or even though I want better for you, doesn't mean I'm going anywhere. But the amount of times, the thing that have been heartbreaking in the job that I've been in, is when these kids mess up, they think you're gonna leave them. Or when these kids mess up, they just think, oh, I'm embarrassed, I'm not gonna talk to her anymore. Or I don't feel like I can visit Miss Oak anymore because I feel like I've let her down. But it's going back to them saying, but I'm still here. And I still believe in you and you're still the person I met, like before the mistake. And I think the only reason why I can do that job and have the patience and have the consistency is because I've been demonstrated that by God and within my faith. Um, And that provides a template that is so far, you know, far beyond my own ability to love these kids the way that God does. But it's such a heart cry, I think, for youth and for kids and students um, in in our city of Nottingham, but across the world, um, of kids that don't have consistency and then look for it elsewhere.
2: Yeah, well, that's definitely true. I think what you've done with those students is like, really commendable. I think is something. Like we should all learn from and I think mm. I think you, you started asking a question about what advice would I give to my younger self and I, I think yeah. I would give to my younger self like branch out to people you wouldn't normally talk to because I think I used to stay in like my yeah. familiar bubble in school and I think I needed to branch out a bit more to everyone and just hold those relationships down and not like make it a one-off but I've chatted to you today that's that's my job done but, like really key that consistency in developing those different mm-hmm. relationships and relationships mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah definitely and I think on a wider scale um there's you know we we watch on the news or we hear so many things going on with um poverty or um area codes that are underprivileged uh how do we make ourselves accessible to be able to either get up and go and help or you know run fundraisers or kind of send messages or do these things how do we kind of i guess the position that i think that we should adopt in that situation is one hand closed and one hand open. One hand closed, holding onto those relationships and um, hoping and praying and interceding. And then this one is giving it to God. And actually there'll be situations where we'll go like this and then we'll go, why is nothing working? It's because you're not giving it to God. And there'll also be situations where holding this gets too heavy and you've got to give it to God anyway, but it's a transfer of holding it on and giving it back to God. And the way that I think that we could practically tackle this within prayer is a um, image I got given not so long ago about how to deal with youth groups or when I was leading a youth band back home or doing youth, youth stuff, someone came up to me and kind of could see that I was kind of carrying the weight of these kids' faith on my shoulders and I felt so responsible for them coming to Jesus or getting out of toxic relationships back home or it was at Soul Survivor so I was kind of hoping that they'd kind of go back and change their ways and I was holding that so heavy on my shoulders and he just said I can see you love these kids but when we're living for Jesus I want you to imagine taking these kids like suitcases to the airport putting them on the conveyor belt and letting God take the rest and almost, that doesn't mean you're not involved. That doesn't mean there's no labour for you. But actually taking these problems to God means that there is a track certain for them to go along. And it means you get to watch the ride as well. You're not, you know, excluded from that involvement in their story and their life and their redemption. But what that does is it allows you, and it kind of allows you to be more accessible, to pray and lay hands and intercede for their lives rather than holding 10 suitcases of people's baggage and faith in order to bring them to the cross when god carried that heavy weight for us um and i think when we look at these injustices and when we look at things that we're passionate about i think maybe that's a, a vision that we can take practically into how we intercede um for these issues it is practically putting them back into god's hands and allowing him to to put them on the right track. Because also we've got human minds. Like there's so many times that I have, you know, ideas or hopes for the future or hopes for my own life. And then when I give it back to God, not only does he redirect what I thought was the certain way or the way it must go, he puts me on the right track and then does immeasurably more than I could even imagine it being. The right way of doing it because his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his way is always gonna be better.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah I think it's it's difficult when like you see a problem to not immediately think oh what, what can I do? What can I do? How do I solve this? Mm. When,
0: yeah like, definitely
2: like like there are ways that we can help but at the same time. It should always be done in God's strength, because if it's mm-hmm. by ourselves, either it probably won't get done to the best of our abilities, or it will just be too much of a burden to hold. So I think yeah. what you said is great about always giving it to God first of all, and praying for wisdom as well, I think is really important, mm-hmm. because realistically, like one person is not going to solve the world's issues by themselves, but with God's wisdom, we can do as much as He's able to work through us for whatever issue is. Not just in like children in underprivileged positions, but just in any issue. Just always looking to God's wisdom and always looking to His strength and guidance through all of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What do you think are kind of the main areas of this um, of this heart cry? Is it, is it for you kids in school and education? Is it kids, um, you know, who are in poverty? What is it that um, you could, if you can, pinpoint an area that first came to mind when you thought of
0: the question that I gave you?
2: I think when you first posed the question i think it was all combined but when i was reading really more up on it it was more the kids in poverty because of what that just led to especially like the the community they found in gang violence and stuff like that mm-hmm. as opposed to my experience with the community they find in church which i just see as amazing and so fruitful and like Mm. that just position um yeah i think it'd be that but like it was the whole the whole young people Mm. thing under that umbrella yeah
0: yeah
1: yeah definitely and i think like like you've done in this day and age when research and you know statistics and facts about like the news goes on in these places, we live in a world where that information is so accessible. So it almost says that our generation, we kind of have a duty to be clued up on these issues, to be clued up and be able to research w- what is going on in our world and I myself definitely you know i'm so guilty of looking more inward than i do outward i look more closely at my own issues or my own um you know my own discrepancies or whatever's going on in my life that i wish god for going to to pray for or to show up in and i think that that's not a bad thing um but actually there's kind of a balance that we have to do when we have this responsibility as we do as disciples of god within his kingdom and on this earth to look inward and then look outward and actually we're so lucky that we have the accessibility to this research to kind of get clued up on what what goes on in our world like what is happening with the people our age you know kind of humbling ourselves you know to our privilege you know, when, when we look at people that don't have what we have, um, you know, it's so, it's such a challenge to constantly remind ourselves that we're not the only people in this world and that our status quo is not the only status quo in the world or our kind of social code or area code is not the standard line of privilege there's some high above and there's some so much lower below and i think it changes the game when our eyes are opened to facts about what goes in on our world i think it's such a responsibility that i definitely don't do enough
2: yeah i mean i i don't think it's just you i think it's just human nature is to always think about mm. Like ourselves first. And I think we'll, we'll try to get better at it and we'll never probably be perfect at it. But I think it's like, it's training yourself to think of others and to think of other situations and like how you can be thinking about them regularly and interceding in these situations. Mm -hmm. But it's something that I also definitely need to improve on. Um, yeah, mm. but it is hard. It is hard to not just always want to bring it yeah. back to yourself.
1: Yeah, it's so challenging. So challenging. And I think when we talk about these situations, you know, like we've said, that when we feel like we've got nothing to do, we can always still pray. Um, yeah. And I think that's what my encouragement will be to anyone listening is kind of, get clued up and research and and get yourself a cup of tea and pray like this needs your time um you know these prayers and this intercession is worth your time praying for students praying for youth praying for poverty is worth your time because not only is it heartbreaking this is the next generation (laughs) this is the next generation that's being brought up to live in the world that we leave before they do and actually not even in poverty but the way that they speak to each other or communicate or treat each other we live in a world of social media where they kind of nitpick each other's appearance and it's educating or you know praying for these kids to kind of have an outlook on life where they are loved and valued and seen far beyond their imagination and I think especially for me as a young person when I started speaking more positively about life or those around me that came from feeling valued myself because I didn't feel under attack all the time or I didn't feel like I was the most important person in the room and I didn't you know it was it was humbling to to kind of realize that I was valued before anyone else's opinion and that actually if only God cared about me if it's only God's love that I have that's enough for me. And there's so much pain that comes from the world when people feel lost, abandoned, hard done by, and and not seen, when they feel misunderstood. That's where pain comes from. Hurt people hurt people. And I think they're the people that we need to pray for. When we look at, you know, if we were to interview or look at the leaders of these gangs that cause pain, nine times out of 10, I can kind of assume that they've gone through some hardship in their life, you know, where they feel undervalued or misunderstood or hurt. And there's so much anger that comes from being able to adopt that mindset of I'll hurt you before you can hurt me. Um, and I think another thing that is really important for us to pray for, not only the people that are on the other, like that, over the receiving end of this poverty or lack of opportunities but our leaders people that are in leadership that's people in parliament that's people in government that make decisions on funding or charities or like that get to take the call on these fundamental issues within our towns and cities and across the world our leaders hold power that you know power is massive thing i had a kid that came to me in my room and he said i'm asking all the teachers today miss what do you think power is and i was like wow what an interesting question and i think i said power is something that we all hold but sometimes people use it for good and sometimes people use it for bad but power when we hold it we have a responsibility to use it for the right things and use it to bring light to things that are important and he went so calmly went, oh, no one's answered something like that before. See you later, miss. And, and, and like, I had no clue what to say. I was like, what? what is power? Like, how do we, how do we define power? But it is a responsibility that we all have. It's something we all have. We all have power. We all have a voice. But how are we using it? And I think when we look at our leaders and when we look at the people in these positions that make these decisions... For me, I'm always compelled to pray for leaders because although I could spend hours nitpicking the decisions they make, one, I wouldn't want to do their job because I'd mess up 10 times more than them. And two, they need prayer. And how amazing would it be if more leaders and more people in leadership and parliament and government lived by the gospel and spoke into nations? the gospel and the truth and the hope and the values of the Bible and of Jesus. I think that would radically change the world we live in. And although that seems far-fetched, and although that seems like a wishful thinking prayer, that's something that God can do. They're lives that God can change, and they are things that God can move in. That would look like a revival. God has done revivals before. He says he will come again. And he says that he's going to send more revivals to earth. And that also plays a part on our responsibility to pray for that.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. I... Praying for leaders isn't something that often comes to my mind. But in, <laughs> in like that little short span, I was like, yeah, why haven't I done that? That is so
1: so good yeah oh i love that and i think it's such an important topic for us to talk about to bring light to and and into research and i'm so grateful that um you know that you've kind of brought up, up on this conversation onto the podcast Um, i think it's such an important thing that we talk about and pray about um so i'd what i'd really love for you to do is kind of to um pray for Um, let's look inwardly and then let's look outwardly so if you pray an inward prayer of um no actually I'll pray an inward prayer um for kind of the youth around us um and within our city and then if you kind of pray outwardly to to the wider issues that will put on your heart I think that would be amazing Yeah, Father God, I just pray as we look inwardly to these situations of poverty um, or, you know, places that lack your presence, places that lack opportunities and accessibility to community and love and support around our, our local city within Nottingham, God, I pray will you move. God I don't want to pray um offensive prayers I want to pray defensive prayers that a prayer that holds your authority I want to hold a prayer um up to your eyes that that brings light to the pain in this world God you are a strong and a powerful God and I'm sorry for when we forget how powerful and mighty you are when I forget that you can move in the small and in the big places. God, we yearn for you to move in these places that Nav has, has spoken about. And God, as we look inwardly, I thank you for the privilege that that I have, that I was brought up with, that Nav was brought up in. We thank you that we have a youth group in church that holds such an authority and a might in the kids in Nottingham, that they have a knowledge of who you are and who you have made them to be. We thank you that you have spoken to these kids. And as we look outwardly, we see that there is a change and that there is a difference in those who know you and have knowledge of you to those who don't and god we we lift up these people we thank you for what you are doing currently in nottingham but god we want more we're hungry for more we're hungry for a revival in jesus name
0: yeah father
2: thank you that you hear every single one of our prayers and you hold them and you treasure them. Lord, I just pray for the young people all over the world who, who don't get the opportunities in life, also don't get the opportunities to know you, to hear the good news of, of your love and what you've done for them. Lord, I just pray that, Father, when, when, when these things burden our hearts, Lord, we're just able to lift them up to you because we can trust mm. that your hand can move immensely and just do anything that you wish to do all for your will and all for your purposes, Lord. And I pray that the young people in, in this in this country are able to know a hope and hold on to a hope that there is something better than, than the environment they're in, that they are not defined by the environment they're, that, that they're trapped in. Um, and yeah, as Alicia brought up earlier, Lord, I want to pray for the leaders of this country that, you will just soften their hearts to care about issues that mm. you care about, to care about people like you care about them, to love people as they are made in the image of you. Um yeah, and Lord, just send us out in 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 ways that we couldn't imagine to mm. shape the world as you wish it to be, Lord, and to do so mm. in your strength, and to do so in your wisdom. Um yeah. Lord, just lead us in every aspect, in every decision we make. Just be to honor mm-hmm. you and to bring your kingdom about here on earth in your name. Amen.
1: Oh man, oh man! Oh, what an important topic to think about, um, and speak about, and pray about. I'm so grateful that um, you're able to come on the podcast and talk with us um about this. Um, you're amazing. Thank, thank
2: you very much for having me i'm I'm honored
1: <laughs> I am honored to have you here um and to have you bless people's ears um with your wisdom and um yeah i um yeah just thank God for the passion that he puts in your heart for young people. I think it's something that he will continue to to use um no it's definitely something that is visible how um passionate and um kind-hearted you are for you know interceding for young people and youth in church and um, it's really lovely to watch thank
2: you thank you very much That's <laughs> <just recently. laughs> oh, but thank you
1: ah uh, humble little now you can't take <laughs> you can't take <laughs> compliments very well oh you're so sweet well i hope you have a lovely rest of your evening um and uh say goodbye to the podcast and then i'll say goodbye to you but should we say goodbye to the podcast
2: Bye, rooted audience it's been a pleasure <laughs> it's
1: been such a pleasure
0: we'll see you next time